The Dead Pixel Society podcast is brought to you by Media Clip, Advertech Printing, and Independent Photo Imagers. Welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast, the photo imaging industry's leading news source. Here's your host, Gary Peugeot. Hello again and welcome to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. I'm your host, Gary Peugeot, and today we're joined by John Doe, the owner of johndoe.com. Hi, John. How are you today? Couldn't be better. Okay, so most people are aware of John Doe, the uh, lab, but how did you get started in the photography business? Well, I didn't get started in the photography business. Actually, I got started in the fine art business. Okay. And that was a long time ago. I think it was December of 1988, so that's okay. a long time ago. Yeah. So if you think back that far, you can remember that there weren't digital cameras. Right. There wasn't actually personal computers. Right. Photography was not on my radar. I worked for a, as a sales manager for an Israeli-based company called Cytex. Okay. Very cool. Cytex. Yeah. Kind of invented Photoshop, you might say, before there was Photoshop. Right. How I got started was the idea of using a Hasselblad camera with a Phase One back. Mm-hmm. Which is, that was many many years ago. It yep. came out and then put it on an enlarger, mm-hmm. and then put a piece of artwork underneath it and captured it digitally, mm-hmm. so that I could fit it, feed it into the world's first four color large format digital printing machine, which was an Iris thirty twenty four okay. back then. Yeah. And the job that I had was selling those machines, and no one wanted to buy them. <laughs> but I thought the color was great. Right. So that's really I got hooked by the color of digital and then from there one day after another one week after another one year after another I just got deeper and deeper mm-hmm. so really color is your main interest I mean great color yes that is to say because my only customers for many years like a decade my only customers were artists mm-hmm. Who, because I was early in the digital, you would fly from Europe and fly from Asia to be able to spend a week with me. Mm-hmm. Started in my garage, and mm-hmm. then, you know, my neighbors wonder what I have. You know, Asian people, you know, spending a week with me. <laughs> <laughs> but it kind of, you know, the word of mouth got out that there was a, you know, digital, and the people who were interested in digital reproduction. There's mm-hmm. a number of different reasons why people should be interested in that. The people who were interested would, you know, come by. Mm-hmm. I still had my day job. Mm-hmm. I was just, you know, for six years, I just did it nights and weekends. Right. And then finally, I had to make a decision of, you know, is this a real business or, you know, or should I drop it? Right. And so I, I came uh, because every image, including original artwork images are all digital now and all mm-hmm. photography is digital now mm-hmm. they're kind of to, from my perspective it's merged mm-hmm. together sure but there was a time in the art industry when photography was not recognized as art sure oh definitely in the early years when I worked with say Philip Stewart Charis which is he's passed away now mm-hmm. but he was a famous uh, photographer you know we kind of worked together to be able to demonstrate why photography had all of the characteristics that are necessary to call it art. Mm-hmm. You left Cytex after six years. Yeah, that's right. And then you went on in your own, started your business, which is fine art reproduction. Mm-hmm. In those days, it was called Harvest Productions. Okay. It was only for artists. And okay. We only work for artists. And then that evolved where more and more artists came, and I kind of uh, got a lease of 50,000 square foot building. Mm-hmm. And then I, inside of the building, I built it out as an Italian town. 
because mm-hmm. I had the privilege of traveling in Europe with a few artists. Mm-hmm. And so when I came back, I thought I want to replicate. So then it was kind of famous for that. It had awnings, and mm-hmm. it had a frame shop, and it had a silk screening shop, and mm-hmm. it had a digital print shop. Mm-hmm. And people would come in from a distance, and then we would just work together to build up limited edition art prints. Mm-hmm. And so you transition from the capture side to the output side. Yes. And so what were the platforms you were using back then to output? Uh, you know, you didn't was, quite uh, have what we have now. Yeah, it was completely an Iris 3047 and it was mm-hmm. going through a Macintosh mm-hmm. you know, computer. Right. And then there was no profiles in those days. So there was no way of mapping the color path right. to optimize the, you know, the output. Right. And then the output, of course, the ink itself, which in those days was water-based inks, mm-hmm. so dye inks are very brilliant in color. They fade, unfortunately, mm-hmm. but they're very brilliant in color. So there was no substrates. Mm-hmm. There was no digital paper. Right. There was no digital canvas. Right. So I started with everything looked brown because the substrate that I was printing on, so no one would be interested in you know reproducing their art brown right. or... <laughs> Right. Or reproducing the photography brown, mm-hmm. but over those many years, I in fact uh, 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 built a company called Bulldog Products, okay. which uh, some years later I sold. And Bulldog Products was in the business of providing the materials that you would need to be able to experiment in this new area of digital printing. Mm-hmm. Did you get into substrate manufacturing then, or you just source well, them, or did you uh, spec them uh, out and have them uh, made? Or funny you would say so. <laughs> In the area of, um, of paper, I worked with Hanemuel mm-hmm. from okay. Germany. So at Still that around, time, Hanemuel big company. Did, didn't have a digital printing. They didn't mm-hmm. know it was a market. Yeah. Uh, and then with Canvas, I worked with a company called Tara, mm-hmm. Tara Materials. It's uh, the Fredericks brand name. Artists know the Fredericks brand name. Mm-hmm. 154-year-old company. And I worked with... Um, the family that owned that company to develop Canvas so that you could print Canvas on digital printing machines. Right. And then, ironically, as history went on, the uh, uh, you know the owners of the family of that company wanted me to acquire that company. So now mm-hmm. it's called Ecker Textiles is the name of the company. And mm-hmm. myself and Mike Ecker are the owners of that company. Okay. And what what do they make? Well, they make canvas, so okay. they make you know they the make canvas that stretch on the they stretcher make bar. The canvas that stretches on the bar mm-hmm. that has the kind of color palette mm-hmm. that has the kind of sheen, and there's mm-hmm. more than one. Yeah. But again, going back to the original story, is you know you you have the inks and then you have the substrate, right? And then what you want to do is get the widest white to black point mm-hmm. and the right and the best saturation point right. without the actual ink droplets blending together, right? And when you've got that combination right, you can map it and you get the optimum out of the image, whatever image you're reproducing. Mm-hmm. What if it's a black and white image? Well, then you're going to get the op- optimum black and white, right? So. That must have been like the Wild West back then. Yeah, well, it's nice to talk to you. Nice to see you after 32 years. <laughs> well, in, in the sense that it was, uh, you know, you're kind of paving new roads. Yeah. You're kind of in an area that yeah. you, you didn't even know if it was actually going to work. Yeah, you, you, maybe you've heard of a giglet. Yeah, oh, of course, yeah. I invented giglet. Okay. It's a made-up word. Of course, yeah. As a matter of fact, the, in French, it's a French word. I read it out of the dictionary. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's not even how the French pronounce it. So mm-hmm. when I went to France, they didn't recognize what I was saying. <laughs> and I'm from Rochester, New York, so yeah. that's an accent, giglet. Yeah, exactly. But I, if I go to Japan, they say giglet. Yeah. So, uh, so how long have you 
been in the production side? How did you get into the mass production making, side of the canvas you know, making business? Things? Uh, that yeah. was a, like an evolution. So it started just working with oil painters and watercolorists and mm-hmm. uh, acrylic painters. Mm-hmm. And then along came my first photographer that I had the opportunity to work with was Philip Stewart Charis, mm-hmm. and he was selling you know famous photos of Hollywood personalities. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time with him. He was very interested in what I was doing. And again, I was in this big Italian town, so you know, we had a bar, we had mm-hmm. a wine bar, and mm-hmm. uh, it was we spent a lot of time mm-hmm. uh, together pondering life's yeah, mysteries. Yeah, that's exactly right. Actually, me printing it again and again and again <laughs> for free until he liked it. That yeah. was probably the truth. <laughs> but, anyways, I certainly appreciated the education he was giving me. Mm. And, uh, you know, so that was where I started to become interested in photography or mm-hmm. recognizing photography as fine art. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you've kind of gone mass market, if you will. Well, it evolved. So that kind of uh, started with um, many years ago. I had, There was an executive from. Costco, mm-hmm. who um, uh, showed up at my front door and knocked on the front door and introduced himself. Of the Italian villa. In, in the Italian villa. And uh, he had purchased a Chaglet, a piece of fine art, mm-hmm. uh, a, a limited edition. Mm-hmm. And on the back of it was my name. Mm-hmm. So he had the initiative to trace it down, got on a plane, came down, didn't make an appointment, just knocked on the front door and mm-hmm. said... As you could do back then. Say, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we spent some time together, me not giving him much time because I didn't know, why are you interrupting my day? Right. And in those days, uh, Costco was a large retailer. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, my art customers didn't uh, sell their product in large retail. I worked for museums and art galleries. So. Right, exactly. You'd- so I explained to him, I don't shop at Costco. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know which, I don't know anything about Why are you that. here? <laughs> he was not offended, thank goodness. So mm-hmm. he wanted a tour, and I gave him a tour. And he was, you know, he was uh, very interested in what it was and how it might mm-hmm. apply to Costco's photographic customers. Mm-hmm. Which at the time, as I recall, I mean, they had a very, you know, they provided photographer, photographer with profiles. Yeah. You know, they were really trying to attract the professional, the professional photog- photographers. Professional photographers. Yeah. Right. And give them a good price and yeah, a good yeah. product. You know? Yeah, yeah. What Costco's known for is doing the research to be able to identify where's the best for your money. Right. And then asking that vendor, including myself, to be able to reduce the price <laughs> so, that, so that they can have, you know, the value that Costco routinely delivers. Yeah. So, so as you had that conversation with this executive, you, uh-huh. you were, were, were you like, thinking, well, this is a great opportunity, or I don't, no. I don't want to hassle with this no, at all. It's fun to talk about now. It's like I was too interested in just getting my, you know, you know, staying solvent and getting my work out. Yeah. And so actually what he said was, well, could you connect your digital factory to my cash registers? Mm-hmm. Of course, that would be a misnomer. Right. But, <laughs> but I got the point, and yeah. I said, you know, uh, I said, I honestly don't know. I know that my son, Justin Doe, has connected internally in my factory all of my machines together mm-hmm. so that we can have one source of entry to be able to access the production. Sure. And it's possible, if you uh, wanted to look into it, that that could happen. So he provided uh, an, an expert in software who was more proficient than my son at his young age. Mm-hmm. That was probably... 12, 13 years ago now. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, And then they began, you know, that process of connecting it. Mm -hmm. We started just in the Costco stores. I did 
1,648 road shows. Mm-hmm. Wow. I still remember the number. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> I do. Because so, so what, you know, they what, bet you, you know? Yeah, and what was that like? Because, I mean, right now, these days, oh, was uh, yeah, Canvas, printing on photo canvas is, you know, I would say routine, but many people are aware of it. It's It's kind of a... Very common product in, in the sense there's a lot of a lot of sites offering it, yes. a lot of retailers offering. So, what was it like, like showing samples sure, to sure. people and say this could be your picture? Yeah. Well, that's what I said. So I stood on the floor and I would say, "Would you like to see your photo on canvas?" Mm-hmm. And they always answered the same. Why would I want to see your photo on canvas? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, "No, no, your photo. What the, how could you possibly have my photo?" Yeah. On canvas. Right, because it was completely different. And then I said, do you have a digital camera? And that was the dawn of digital cameras. Do you have a digital camera? Yes. Do you have a memory chip in the digital Mm -hmm. camera? Okay, so hand me that, Mm -hmm. and I will drive back to my factory, Mm -hmm. and then I'll manufacture it for you, Mm -hmm. and then I'll meet you here next Saturday Mm -hmm. at 10 a.m. and bring you the product. And there was a piece of paper that we filled out, and the cash register would figure out how to charge them for it. Mm-hmm. And so it was all driving back and forth and uh, delivering it by hand and making it in the middle of the night and, mm-hmm. and getting it in a box and getting it back. It was a long road. Yeah, I was going to say. I'd that's... never do it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as I mentioned, you had to talk to a lot of people. A lot six, of people. Out of the 6,000 Yeah. And... You know, there was 571 Costco stores, and either me or one of my employees visited every single one. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Photo retailers, energize your sales with ShareMeChat, the proven texting platform. Using chat to text on your website keeps your customers connected and buying. See us at Pro and IPI to find out why dealers using ShareMeChat close more sales without adding staff. Find out more at ShareMe.chat. So... From there, how did that evolve into the modern solution, right? Because now you're providing output. Well, the nat- I think it's a natural evolution. So, and, and, and Costco was a bit of a part of that, too, because uh, Costco wanted to be able to deliver to their customers faster. Right. So each day, as business grew, because business grew pretty rapidly, each day I'd see a FedEx truck you know, driving to New York. So it didn't take me long to figure out that if I put an identical factory in New York and I had ways of controlling it and managing it, Mm -hmm. that I would be able to just make it New York and deliver to New York City the next day. Right. So that's what I did. Mm -hmm. I I got on a plane and leased a building and Mm -hmm. pushed some equipment into it and just started. Mm -hmm. So how many facilities do you have? Did you have at that time? I had one in Southern California, and then I had the second one was was in New York. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, you know, now we have 11 locations around the world. So I have one in Australia. I have one in Canada. I have one in Spain. I have one in England. So now if you have a customer, if someone has a customer and they want to have it delivered over there, Mm -hmm. then you can save the time and the expense. You know, it's very expensive to ship something to Australia. Yeah. And it's just heavy and... You and know, it wastes a lot of carbon. Yeah. You know, just nothing good about it. Yeah. So I think what makes me different than the than other people mm-hmm. is that I developed the uh, the process for the reprodu- reproduction that was the most efficient and mm-hmm. that was the best color that I knew based on what artists said that customers wanted to buy. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't have a preference, and even the artists didn't have a preference. It was the art gallery mm-hmm. that knew 
what the thickness of the stretcher bar should be, right. you know, what the wrap around it should be. So right. it was the art galleries who were driving the specifications for the product that I make today. Mm -hmm. So they were kind of, in a way, retailers in the sense. Yes. That, so they were familiar with, like you said, what are the sizes and formats and thicknesses and things that customers like that. want to buy? Yeah, you know, so. so so they were feeding you that intelligence, mm -hmm. so that informed, mm -hmm. which is interesting because there's a lot of folks who kind of got into the digital printing space, whatever, to kind of do what they wanted, create the look that they wanted. Yeah, but that's not what you did. Yeah, no, I'm not an artist. You know, I'm a. It, my best reference would be an atelier. An atelier is a French word that means that you act as the artist in the space of the artist. You didn't make that word up, did you? No, I did not. <laughs> <laughs> they, they taught me, oh, you need to be a, an atelier, John. What's that? It's just like I was doing it, only I'm not going to be here. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Where are you going to be? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to be on my balcony overlooking the ocean. Right. <laughs> so, okay, I see our relationship. <laughs> so... So how long have you, has John Doe been in the business of, you, you kind of, I, I get, I'm assuming that you moved from harvest production. That's to, right. And you evolved Once I wanted to be international, harvest is not an international name. Right. And then because I have the unfortunate, you know, birth name of being John Doe, <laughs> it, you know, my lawyer said, why don't you call the company John Doe? Because they pronounce it the same way all over the world. Right. And then you have a good, so it's the ultimate validation of the misfortune of being named John Doe. There you go. I, I imagine some people probably think there's really not really a guy named John Doe there, is there? Yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> a couple times. So how long have you been John Doe, the business, yeah. and, and how have you expanded beyond just a single very large influential customer? Um, well, let's see. Uh, I guess... Uh, I started in 1988, and then six years later, I mm -hmm. left my job and went in full time. And perhaps I named, perhaps the name went, you know, started John Doe in 12 or 13 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I've done a lot of traveling since then, and mm -hmm. met a lot of fine people. Mm -hmm. You know, my ambition was just to be able to, you know, everyone, including yourself, I'm sure, just wants to be of some value mm -hmm. to sure. someone. You don't yeah. want to be just like everyone else. Right. And it seemed like, you know, I'm environmentally aware. Mm -hmm. You know, my wife's license plate is tree friend. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah. I thought, well, I can save a lot of carbon and save a lot of air transportation, mm -hmm. save dollars, too, if I develop a network mm -hmm. where it's one-stop shopping. So that is to say, when my customers reach John Doe, if there's taxation in Spain, mm -hmm. I take care of the taxation. If there's freight in Spain, I take care of the freight in Spain. Mm -hmm. If there's a, a currency exchange, because there is a currency exchange, I take care of the so. Mm -hmm. With the customers that I have, I think the value that we bring to them is that we're one-stop shopping. They can sell mm -hmm. around the world because once you're selling online, mm -hmm. there's no reason to just sell in one state of the United States. There's right. no reason just to sell just in North America. Right. You know, you're, you're global. Right. So, so you need a global fulfillment company. Right. That, that's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so... What are some of the ways that people can begin to do business with John Doe, right? I mean, you've got, obviously, a sales team and people like that, but, you know, if somebody who's interested in becoming a client, what is that process like? Yeah, it's pretty easy. We have a 
So if you want to access John Doe's products, and it has more than Canvas, it has the photo products that you'd think of, which would be paper and varieties of paper and canvases and varieties of canvas and metal prints and wood prints and acrylic prints and, you know, the, the, the uh, you know, the, uh, what it doesn't have is a wet lab. So right. we've never got into that side of the business because we started from the art side of the business. Right. Um, Digital first. Uh, there's something called John Doe Go, John Doe G-O. Mm -hmm. And with John Doe Go, you can uh, simply go to the number of SKUs that we have mm -hmm. and then select the SKUs that we have, put the address that you want to have it be delivered to, mm -hmm. swipe your credit card, and it'll just access your order, and it'll deliver it to where you want to have it delivered. But that's like retail pricing. That's like, I mean, I mean, that's not like. Yeah, I don't have. I, so I don't do any retail business. I only do wholesale business. Right, that's what I'm saying. So I only have one pricing. Okay, so okay, <laughs> that makes it kind of easy, right? Yeah, well, it's complicated. I have four thousand six hundred SKUs, so I don't want to <laughs> mix it up much. Yeah, I was saying that would exponentially make it. More yeah, it'd be more more difficult to manage in, in eleven locations. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you're taking care of the tax and the transportation and everything. So, what since you've expanded into these other products, which are kind of behind, and you know, I'm not sure if yeah. mugs and such qualify as fine art, but yeah. where do you think you're going to go next with this with uh, with some of the products that are being in the marketplace now? Yeah. Well, I think that there's a lot of room to grow in metal. You know, uh, there's uh, 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 I credit Chromalux with a high-end marketplace, but Chromalux is quite expensive. So mm -hmm. we have Chromalux, and then we have other varieties of metal that are mm -hmm. suitable, that mm -hmm. are more expensive or more less expensive than the you know than the premium product. Uh, I think that uh, I think that the uh, the newest product that we have is called Palette Plus. Mm -hmm. And Pallet Plus is for people who can sell to retailers. Mm -hmm. So if you had any retailer you want, let's think of a small retailer because, mm -hmm. because you know, Wayfair's, you know, covered. Right, exactly. <laughs> but small, they're small retailers that if you want to purchase a pallet of your imagery because you've sold it to a small retail store, we have, like, really great pricing because when you make a pallet, of the same thing, mm -hmm. it costs less to make it. Right, exactly. So that's like probably the freshest new idea that we have. Mm -hmm. um, we've only started that just weeks ago, but okay. you know it's 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 working well. We have people who are appreciating it. It kind of uh, competes with China. Mm -hmm. So because of the difficulty of getting things from China, right, uh, having something made in the United States or made close to where it has to be delivered. Mm -hmm. So that could be, you know, a, a new important product. But that but that would be like one off. Of the it same could, image. Uh, it could be one of the same image, but actually it could be 48 of 48 different images mm -hmm. that are shrink-wrapped, not boxed, mm -hmm. and then delivered to the retail store that... Okay, you know. so, so that's interesting, because that would be the opportunity then for someone who has got, like, maybe in the volume photography space or schools or events or something like that where they need a lot of similar size yeah. products yeah. but the images, not, they don't always be the same the important thing the is images could change but the size has to be the same and it has to be at least a pallet's worth yeah, so you have to, if you can palletize it and that's how you get the price okay awesome and then, and then I deliver the pallet to where you want there you go you, not you yourself personally. No, 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 Because no, no. I mean, because it sounds to me like you know you're a very hands-on. Person. Well, I like I, I enjoy what I do. <laughs> you know, I uh, have a residence. It's true, but I you know, but I live in my factory. Okay, really. Yeah, you know, so I have a residence about two uh, miles from my factory, but uh, mostly I stay at the factory. 
Okay. Well, so, how does your wife feel about that? Well, I've been married for a long time, so <laughs> maybe that's she's, she's kind of okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that may be the reason why, actually. Yeah, it wasn't the reason why, but I just enjoy it, you know, it's like... Uh, yeah, well, it's an Italian I have, a, you know, I, if you came by, we'd just spend some time together, and yeah. we'd have a good time, yeah. and we'd drink some wine. Yeah. I learned that from the artists, yeah. and then maybe we'd make something together. You yeah. know, if you bought an image, it brought an image, I would, you know, I've done that more than once in the evening. Mm-hmm. Sure. Just to have fun, just to make art. So, where does someone go to get more information about JohnDoe.com? I guess you go to JohnDoe.com. Uh, you know, I've been posting things there for 11 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, can, I can honestly say that I haven't been there more than three times myself mm-hmm. but, <laughs> because I already know my story. Yeah. But I have, you know, uh, Travis Doe is a fellow that's been working with me for a long time and he's got our messages up there. Yeah, great. Well, thank you, John, for your time. Appreciate hearing yeah. the story. It's been fun and I uh, look forward to seeing more in the future. Cool. Maybe you'll come by the factory sometime. I would love to. Thank you for listening to the Dead Pixel Society podcast. Read more great stories and sign up for the newsletter at www.thedeadpixelssociety.com.